And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. The really real deal with Brother Craig, the hatchet man. Saturdays, 10 to noon, Sundays, back. program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live as we are taking it to the streets, folks. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the program today. This is the really real deal, and I am, of course, your friendly, friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. And uh, hey, a, a lot of folks not going to think uh, I'm quite so friendly today, but <laughs> I know you who are you who are uh, longtime members of of Hatchet Nation, you you know I'm a hum, um, I'm just a humble little old country boy, nice guy. But uh, hey, folks, someone has to be the truth teller. Someone has to be the butt kicker. Someone has to tote the set of onions. And uh, I think that's the job that God has appointed uh, me to do. And uh, and I do it with relish. Uh, we have a fantastic program lined up. Uh, we do want to send out, of course, to to all of our uh, wonderful friends out here, Palm Sunday greetings as we uh, count down towards Easter. Uh, I love this time of year, and uh, throughout today's program, as we've had in the last several weeks, and we'll continue uh, right up until uh, next week, uh, the day before Easter, uh, we have uh, throughout the program, when we go to break, we're going to have some really, really beautiful uh, Christian music to celebrate the holy season here. And, uh, and folks, we also are going to uh, take to task, um, you know, a lot of uh, situations that are occurring uh, in this nation. And uh, we're not only going to take folks to task, in particular our President Donald Trump, uh, and in particular the people that are misusing our young people in this, uh, in this uh, march in Washington. Uh, you know, if you go to my website TheReallyRealDeal.com, you will see an article that I wrote about the school shootings and uh, and which gets at the real root of it, okay, not treating it on the surface as people do uh, when they mislead our young people into thinking that uh, if they just simply uh, get everyone to disarm and uh, as Miss McGillicuddy would say in her kindergarten class, you know, now, now, children, play nice, you know, uh, we who are adults, we know the bad guys don't play nice, okay? Whether you're talking about a criminal in the street or whether you're talking about a Muslim fundamentalist that wants to blow you up and, 
and, and put a sword to your throat and make you bow to Mecca or die. Okay, they do not play nice. Okay, and if we are going to be successful, we cannot play nice. Okay, and so, and I say that as a Christian, as a Christian. Okay, and uh, and I, I take no backseat. You know, it just it galls me that here we have. Uh, you can just go right to the Bible and read it for yourself, folks. You don't have to take my word. It's, it's the word of God. It's not the word of Brother Craig. That, uh, you know, we do not have to, uh, you know, just sit by and idly allow Satan to take this world over. We don't have to do that. You know, there's no reason uh, Londonistan did not have to be, okay? Christian, 500 Christian churches have closed in London since 2001, and 423 mosques have replaced them. And on a typical... Um, Worship day on on Sunday for Christians, you will find 20, 30, sometimes 10 or 12 worshipers in these big, beautiful uh, buildings that were built uh, that in in their heyday would have been uh, overrun with people, okay? And but on Friday, you look at the mosques and they're so full that the people are out in the street bowing down, okay? And most of these people are under the age of 25, half of them. This is just, in, just, this is just London now, okay? This is just London, which, I mean, back, it was once said that the sun never sat on the British Empire. The, the, the empire was so huge that it, there was always sun shining on it. Well, there's no sun shining on it right now. And uh, so what few Christians are left over there, they better get their act together and we and the rest of the Christian world need to take note, okay? We need to take note. And uh, I, for one, I believe my nation, my faith, my Christian faith, my Western uh, civilized way of life is worth fighting for. I believe my grandchildren are worth fighting for, okay? Now, the, 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 the fact that there are many people out here that will not even fight for their own grandchildren, what kind of person is that? What type of person will have the truth told to them and they will not even defend their own grandchildren from predators, okay? It's just, it's, it's pathetic, folks. It, it really is pathetic, and so... These are some of the things we have to deal with, folks. We have to deal with these people. Uh, they always go after the children, whether it's confusing them over gender. Word of God says male and female created he them. Not, you know, whatever they want created he them. Male and female created he them. And so, uh, and this is the natural result of the slide that has occurred uh, from the creation of this nation, a nation, uh, and I will remind you again, folks, as I am wont to do, that this nation was founded on the idea that our rights were not granted by Madison, Jefferson, Washington, etc. They merely said that the purpose of government is to protect the rights that we got from God. So at our moment of creation, we are already free. We already have rights. I mean, even God does not force himself upon us. God courts us, okay? That's what Easter is all about. You have a choice, okay? Our big brother, Jesus Christ, went to the cross for us, and we have a choice 
to accept that, to believe that, to live by that, or we have the choice not to, okay? It's, it's our choice, okay? And all are going to miss the mark, I know, I know. Peter missed the mark. Judas missed the mark. Peter sought redemption and received that from Jesus Christ in spite of the fact that Peter denied Jesus three times. Judas took the cheap way out. He would not turn back to God, although he was just as sorrowful as Peter was, but he committed suicide. We, I mean, we have choices. So even in our creation, God gives us choice. But do these members of the coalition of evil want to give us choice? The leaders of the Democrat Party, the leaders of the Communist Party, the leaders of the Socialists, the Fascists, the leaders of the Muslim Fundamentalists, the Atheists, the Radical Homosexuals, and I know there's probably some homosexuals that want to just go home to their boyfriend and leave everyone alone and be left alone. And if that's you, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not cool with the activity, but I'm cool with the fact that God himself gave you the freedom to do that. Like he gave me the freedom to stand behind this microphone and, and, and share with you how I find that as an activity to be repugnant. But we are to hate the sin, not hate the sinner. You know, because look, when it's my turn to be caught in sin, I, I don't want folks hating me. I want you to hate my sin and help me to turn away from it. And so I offer my humble critique in a spirit of love. A, a love that desires that you cease and desist and turn to God. Because trust me, folks, I'm going to have my turn too, okay? I'm going to have my turn. We all, we all going to have our turn. And, and when it's our turn, how do we want to be treated? And another thing, when it's our turn, who are we going to mimic? Are we going to be like Peter and turn to the Lord, or are we going to be like Judas and take the cheap way out? Okay? And so... This is, this, this is the importance of, of this season, the, the choices we have. And we have uh, Christian filmmakers are making wonderful, wonderful movies uh, these days uh, for us to, to see. Uh, I mean, Paul, the Apostle of Christ, opened yesterday. Uh, I had the filmmaker right here, uh, and we played the program. And you can still catch that interview on our website, thereallyrealdeal.com. Uh, another movie, uh, Can You Imagine, another Christian movie, did wonderfully in its first week last week at the box office. So I am going to encourage everyone out there, this weekend, you have to see at least one of these movies, if not both, okay? Because the way the movie industry works is if the movie does well in its first two weeks, then the movie will be held over. And so more people will get exposed to the Word of God through, and these are not preachy movies. These are not uh, Christian movies that only have the capacity to speak to the choir. These are movies that have the capacity to speak to anyone. And so it is your Christian duty. If you're already on board as a Christian, you need to make time in your schedule and go to these movies, support these movies, 
get their numbers up so that these movies can be held over for a larger audience. These are movies that anyone uh, would enjoy, even even a non-Christian or a, a Christian that does not know, you know, maybe they were brought up as a, as a as a Christian, brought up as an agnostic, brought up as an atheist. It really, it does not matter. These are great stories. They're really, really great stories, okay? So I highly encourage you, see these movies, okay? And uh, But now, listen, folks, we're going to take a quick break because I, ha- I am jammed full, and then we have um, the uh, the head of the American Pastors Network, the Honorable Sam Rohrer. Uh, he's going to be our guest at the bottom of the hour, and, uh, and at the top of the next hour, we're going to have Sally Pipes, uh, author. Uh, we're going to have her. So on the other side of this break, uh, we're going to get into a few other things, a little bit more about how the left, uh, again, the coalition of evil, how they always go after the children, and they are misusing our children uh, who are so uh, afraid and alarmed over uh, gun violence. And uh, But we're going to try to bring some sanity to, the, to that issue. And uh, we're going to take a quick, quick break, and we will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Shamati Shedavidin Im, a 
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live as we listen to a little bit of that beautiful, beautiful rendering of uh, Alleluia by the uh, Israeli military singers. And uh, we have um, uh, so much to talk about, folks. You know, this this issue with uh, President Trump, okay, uh, acting like a Democrat, okay? Um, now, the man's been a Democrat his whole life, and so he had an opportunity to veto this monstrosity. Uh, and he comes up, puffs his chest up. Oh, this, this is for military. Yeah, military. You know, military, our, our beautiful military, our wonderful military. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, this, this is just, uh, this is ridiculous, folks. And again, I, I'm going to say this for, I don't know, the umpteenth time, but I know we have new listeners all the time. And as a matter of fact, speaking of new listeners, I want to give a shout out. Anyone out in the um, Phoenix, Arizona area and out in the Shenandoah Valley area, and I mean uh, for our Facebook crowd, okay, because we're considering expanding the program out to those areas. And uh, so... Uh, we we appreciate your listenership, uh, your well your viewership. Uh, you're you're viewing us via the hatchet cam, okay, on on Facebook Live. And uh, but tell your friends about us, and uh, we we we're happy to have you all out there. And we've gotten a few comments from some folks, um, out particularly out in the Phoenix area, and uh, I'm very very excited about that. So I'm, I'm hoping we can make that happen. Uh, Phoenix being what the the fifth largest city in the nation. Uh, Five million people in the metropolitan area out there in Phoenix, and uh, and so uh, nothing's written in stone yet. But we're looking at a fifty thousand watt blowtorch station out in Phoenix, Arizona, to uh, start carrying the really real deal. And uh, I'm very very excited about that. But uh, now back to um, Trump and and you know, and I, I wrote an article. Okay, this was over a year before the election, and. You know, and these these wizards of smart that think they know so much, uh, and so many of them are wrong so often. I mean, and I don't mean to brag, but I'm I'm the first news analyst in the nation to predict the beginning of this revolution was, which was when Dave Bratt beat Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor was the second most powerful Republican in the nation, and people thought he was untouchable. And isn't Dave Bratt great? Dave voted against this mess. Okay. Uh, Dave is just, he's a great, great congressman, but I was on board early and knew he would win and, and told him so. Okay. Knew, I knew he would win. Many, many in, even in the campaign, uh, thought it was just an exercise, um, that was really, uh, not going to end its success, but I knew different. Uh, and with Trump, I wrote an article, uh, predicting that it would be Trump, uh, Ben Carson and Ted Cruz battling it out and that the first one to fade would be Ben Carson and it would come down to a battle between uh, Cruz and Trump. And I further wrote that if Cruz did not get tough, that we were going to end up, and this is the exact words I wrote. You can The article is on my website, okay? And it was written a year before it happened. My exact words were that if Cruz did not grow a pair of onions, we were going to end up with a vanilla-flavored Obama, okay? Now, that's what we have. That is what we have. We have a vanilla-flavored Barack Hussein Obama in the White House. 
okay? Because, folks, you and I both know that if Obama had signed a six-month spending bill at $1.3 trillion, you know what we would be saying, and we would be right. So if we would be right to say that about Barack Obama, we have to say the same thing about President Trump. We have to. And I and I, but now give him credit for the things he's done well. I, I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. And I know Obama did nothing well from a Christian conservative constitutional standpoint. Okay, uh, you know there are many people out there that love Obama. They you know they're they're they have been deceived. And but for we who believe in the seven C's of a successful society as I as I articulate them, Christian faith, conservative values, constitutional limits, capitalistic opportunity, choice in all things, confrontation with evil, and consistency in application of law. We who believe in those things, okay, for us, uh, we need uh, not only consistency in application of law, but we need consistency in application of conservative principles uh, coming from people that espouse them. And so we know that the swamp monsters that are that call themselves Republicans, uh, they're really all about power. We know that, but we have to stick with the Republican Party because. Inside of our party, even though we're no longer the majority, we're not the majority of elected officials, we are the majority of the grassroots people of the of the uh, Republican Party. And I think we are the majority of the nation. There are a lot of Democrats that are with us on issues. They just don't know enough about them to be with us party-wise because the Democrats do such a good job of demonizing the Republican brand and Republicans are so inept at articulating, and they're so they're deathly afraid to act like a warrior. You know, David didn't say that Goliath was his friend across the aisle. David said, "Thy servant will go and utterly destroy this unclean Philistine." That's that word of God, not the word of Brother Craig. You don't like it? You know, maybe your Bible is going to be like Thomas Jefferson's Bible. That joker went through the Bible and cut out literally. And I don't mean just didn't live by it. This fool, literally, that's right, I'm calling Thomas Jefferson a fool. This fool literally took a knife, a pen knife, and cut sections out of his Bible that he did not agree with. Okay, so maybe you guys out there, you low-fat Republicans, maybe you want to go uh, that part where David... Uh, says thy servant will utterly destroy this unclean Philistine. Maybe you want to cut that part out, okay? You know, that section where Jesus refers to the Sanhedrin as agents of Satan, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. Maybe you want to cut that part out, okay? And you people that think, oh, it's just about works, you know, Cut that part out where Nehemiah says you have to work and fight, okay? We're going to take a quick break, folks, and we'll we... Go ahead. 
live as we listen to a little bit of Rise Again in celebration of this holy season that we're living in. Uh, welcome uh, to Mr. Sam Rohrer. Uh, Mr. Rohrer, or I should say the Honorable Sam Rohrer, is uh, president of the American Pastors Network and a uh, former member of uh, Congress, a uh, former candidate for governor in the great state of Pennsylvania, and uh, Mr. Rora, we just want to say thank you so much for all that you do, and uh, and thank you for joining us and sharing with us here on the Really Real Deal. Well, Brother Craig, it's great to be with you uh, this morning. It's my privilege and honor to be with you, and thank you for all that you do as well. Yeah, well, you know, we who are uh, watchmen on the wall, uh, we uh, I, I think in Isaiah that was not a suggestion uh, when it says, "Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent." That that wasn't a suggestion, was it, sir? <laughs> no, in fact, that was not. That was an obligation. Yes, I, I share that with others who are in the pulpit, and and really, you know, Brother Craig, all of those in positions of authority, be their parents in the home or in the church leaders or in civil government, all positions of authority have as a part of their duty uh, to be watchmen, to yes. warn those under their uh, authority, under their responsibility and their care. And uh, yes. far too often, that's not done, you know? You're so right. And I'm so glad you opened up with that because, you know, as, as a leader, people, you know, you get um, platitudes for, for being a leader. And I'm always trying to share with people that, uh, just like you said, even as the father or the mother in the home, you know, a school teacher or, you know, just a Christian. Some people, the only Bible they're ever going to read are, are your actions, the things you do and say. And that, That's exactly correct. That's, you know, that's the whole principle of uh, when Christ talked to his disciples and said uh, and sent them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent them out as lights and uh, as salt in the world. Uh, sometimes I think we don't really understand what that means, but yes. uh, you are correct. As points of light, as light bearers, if mm-hmm. we claim to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are a light at, 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 to be a reflection of the light of Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, and if we keep it under a bushel, <laughs> um, it does no good. Yeah. And so that's exactly goes back to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I think sometimes we lose the importance of that role that God has given to us all. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like to. Uh, I, I'm not downplaying the value of going into our prayer closet. But some folks, that's where their light is located, in the prayer closet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and some preachers, the light is located in the four walls of the church where it's safe. For now, <laughs> safe uh, for now. I, I think I think you are totally correct, and that you know that's one of the principles. What you stated there is something that's 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 really, I think, greatly misunderstood. And I think sometimes we can have a tendency to hide, hide within maybe the four walls of our house, hide within the four walls of the church, and think that 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 is. Uh, 
that consumes or that describes our duty and our purpose, but it's not. We are in this world. We're not of it, but we're in this world. We're not yes. just, we, we come to church for fellowship and for gathering together, but then we go back out. And that part of going back out and carrying that light is what we're so greatly needing in this nation today that's fraught with all kinds of trouble, but all of the answers are found in God's Word, and they are deliverable, properly done, by those who know the freedom in Jesus Christ, and those mm-hmm. are all those who are true believers. And so we, we have a great calling. We have a great opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, the founding of this nation, uh, and I talk about this all the time, that our Declaration of Independence, uh, the founders were such humble men. I'm not saying we don't worship our founders. They were not perfect men. None of us are. But they, their humility was expressed in the fact that they did not deign it upon themselves to grant us freedom, rights, opportunity. They said that God did that and that they're, the purpose of government is merely to defend and protect those rights, not to amend them, deny them, or grant them. Because, I mean, if you can't deny and amend a right, neither can you grant a right, correct? I think you're totally correct, and I think you put your finger on it. I I share that that same kind of sentiment about our founders. I, and I put our founders in a category where I think they're our founding fathers, we call them. We tend to think of them as uh, political leaders. But I, but I think we also had our founding pastors, mm-hmm. because ultimately it was the preaching of God's Word through the pulpit that communicated God as the creator of all, the source of all that we have. And from that flows the concept of individual and self-government and the family and mm-hmm. family government and the church and so and And from that flows God's plan as far as to what each one of those are to do and how they are to function with each other. It's understanding God has a plan for life and living, and woven through all of that from the beginning of time before creation was the concept of redemption, freedom in Jesus Christ that was that weaves itself all the way through history, and that is really history, his story. Mm-hmm. That is the great plan. Our founders in the pulpit and those who yeah. wrote the Declaration of Independence, they understood those principles, and they knew that they didn't, they couldn't come up with it on their own, uh, and they didn't try to. They said, yeah. "Let's go back to see what God said, and let's look at the history past and see what happened when God did what what God did for those nations who did what God said, and let's look at those nations who did not do what God said, mm-hmm. and let's not do those things." And they put them together, and uh, and that's why here in Pennsylvania, William Penn said called this whole idea a holy experiment holy because they said we're going to do God's idea, experiment because it really had never been done before, and uh, God heard their prayer. So really, really profound principles, simple but profound. Yeah, yeah, the Black Robe Regiment, the British hated them. They, you know, they wear that name as a badge of honor, but the, but the British gave them that name because they, they said back then the preaching of the gospel from the pulpit that they were as effective as any regiment of soldiers out on the battlefield. So how do we communicate that to pastors today who they, you know, so many of them, God bless them, they, they, they seem to think that if they could just rear up a church full of kindergarten teachers, then all will be well. 
I tell you, that, am I uh, being too harsh in that? No, no, Brother Craig. I don't think you are. I mean, it, it sounds harsh, and maybe some are listening, saying, "Oh, Brother Craig, you're you're talking, you're talking too firmly." But in reality, and this is how I look at it: the pulpit, when God went to Israel of old, after God had delivered to them His commands, His statutes, and told them, "You do these things." I will bless you. I will bless your families. I will increase your wealth. I'll keep you secure from your enemies. But if you walk away from me, as the, as the book of Ezekiel so clearly lays out, God said, I'm going to turn that upside down upon you. And where God went first in Ezekiel 20, 21, 22 in particular, is he went to the leaders. He went to the authorities, but he, he spoke about the pastors in their role as shepherds. And he did call out those in civil government, the princes, he did call out those in, in the courts. Those were the priests. He did call out those, the lawmaking body. He called out all of those in positions of authority. Mm-hmm. And he said, first of all, you didn't communicate to the people, to those under your control, under your authority, what I said about myself, about holiness and living, about the reality of sin, about how how life should function, and you forgot me, and you walked away from me, and he held them as shepherds responsible. Responsible. I told I tell our pastors, I said, you know what, when you stand in the pulpit, pastor, or I'm going to take it to the home too, parents, mm-hmm. in that positions of authority, uh, Christ told them, warn the sheep about the wolves outside the walls, because I send you forth as sheep among wolves, Christ says. And later in John, he comes back and says, but when the hirelings in the pulpit, those who are there, not for the fact that they are called of God, but they're there for some other reason, when they see the wolf come, they run, mm-hmm. proving they are a hireling. They never were there right. for the benefit of the sheep. And, and that's why I tell pastors, understand as a shepherd, you must communicate. You must warn. And when's the last time you warned your people about the wolf mm-hmm. outside the door, the wolf that's threatening the home, the wolf that's threatening uh, our, uh, our lives about us the way we think. And in most cases, they can hardly ever come to a point where they think, you know, I don't know if I have warned anybody specifically about the wolf. And that is something to say. I, yeah. I say that as a resp- pastor, you will answer to God. Parents, you won't answer to God for whether or not you warn your children and bring them up properly. Mm-hmm. It's not just one position we can point our finger to, Brother Craig. It's all the positions, and really, if we look in the mirror, it's really all of us. Yeah, and you said a mouthful when you spoke of hirelings, because there's so many pastors that are really in the religion business. They, they really are hirelings. They have jet planes. Uh, you know, they have uh, big, huge places that, that people people flock to these places. So now for the for the Christian that's receiving the word and, and perhaps they they were blessed by the dynamism of that man who's in the religion business and they got their start as a as a Christian. And so but as that Christian grows in maturity, how do you advise that person uh, as far as, uh, you know, perhaps do you do you try to reach that preacher and get him to cease being a hireling and become a a a a true a true servant? Uh, do you just say, well, oh, let's just forget about him and find another church? I mean, how do you how as 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 a pastor's network, how do you tread that? Or does it come up often? 
Well, I tell you, it does come up often, and this is where I start. It is, first of all, if a pastor, a pastor, let's first way, must believe that God's Word is authoritative. Um, and, and unfortunately, I say that because according to the polls, George Barna Research and others, mm-hmm. less than 30%, get that now, less than 30% yeah. of those in the pulpits of America. I'm talking about those who would describe themselves as evangelical, too. So it's not just, it's not just way out fringe type groups. These are, these are those who say they're Christians. Less than 30%, Brother Craig, actually believe that God's Word is all true. So if you have a pastor who does not believe that the Word of God is all God's Word, not just contains it, as some would say, mm-hmm. but it is all God's Word, if he does not believe that, then go to another church right off. Mm-hmm. But if, because you're never going to get the truth, but if he believes God's Word to be true, and he's committed to the faithful preaching of God's Word, then the first thing is go to him and pray for them. I ask people, are you praying for your pastor and those in authority? We are commanded to pray for all of those in authority because God holds them accountable for our souls. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're told that in, in, in the Word of God. So we must pray for them. And if there are things that individual pastors may be weak on, well, then that is something that we can communicate both in prayer and verbally, but our response should not be to at the drop of the hat just leave. I think I think American Christianity has become so enamored with choice, of which we have so much in this country, and it's a good thing. We tend to view oftentimes churches and things that we like almost like a smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. We can come and pick and choose and hear and come and go. The result is we're not faithful to God. We're not faithful to our church. We're not faithful to anybody. And uh, God is going to hold us all accountable for our faithfulness, so we don't run at the drop of a hat. If God's called us to a family of believers, and they are standing on God's Word, then we really ought to put our shoulder to the wheel, help our pastor, help those Mm -hmm. in positions of authority, and until they walk away from the Word or deny God's Word, work with them as a part, as just as we are as our own personal family. If our yeah. brother, the you know, deacons, the elders, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Walk off at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Now, can you stay just a few more minutes while we take a quick break, sir? Sure, I can. Okay, and if you're just joining us, folks, we have Sam Rora with us, and he is president of the American Pastors Network. We're going to take a very quick break. We will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. The gates and doors were barred. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. 
Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Hatchet Man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, the really real deal. And uh, in this Easter season, we're singing all about the true, well, I can't call him a big dog, but <laughs> our big brother, Jesus Christ, as uh, we come upon the uh, the holy season, uh, Palm Sunday tomorrow and uh, Easter next week. Uh, we have as our guest uh, today, Mr. Sam Rohrer, if you're just joining us. He's president of the American Pastors Network. And uh, thank you again, sir, for staying over. You're, you're welcome, Brother Craig. Glad to do so. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, in the, uh, before in, in our last few remaining moments as we head up to the top of the hour news break, uh, we have a, a president who seems so much like uh, the Book of Kings, um, King Jehu, who overtook uh, Queen Jezebel. And King Jehu was described as a uh, ungodly man, a man who was uh, wicked but focused and had the, uh, had the abilities uh, very much like the way Trump is. They, they, um, the people, they said, oh, look at this person coming up. He drives furiously. Uh, like Jehu, they, I mean, the Bible literally describes the temperament of this man very, very much like President Trump. But, you know, he was able to take this uh, woman on who had taken Israel uh, towards um, worship of Baal and very, very, very strikingly similar to America today. And he was successful, but he reverted back to his old form. And is, are we in danger of having President Trump come and be be godly for a while? Have um, have have Mike Pence, a, a Christian, have all these Christian advisors uh, help him out in his campaign? Very much like that biblical story where the holy man Jehonadad came along with. Uh, King Jehu, but King Jehu reverted back to his old sinful ways, and Israel was destroyed as a result of him going back. Uh, are we are we living in a repeat of that? And if so, what can we do? I mean, there 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 are supposed to be some spiritual advisors around President Trump. Where are they? Hmm. 
Yeah, Brother Craig, I think what you just laid out there is is is, an, is amazingly profound and astute. Uh, and I say it for this reason. I'll answer your question best I can. Well, it came from Jonathan Kahn, not from me. I interviewed him a couple okay. of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I tell you, well, but Jonathan, I know him as well, and that is profound. In most cases, many people refer to the president as a King Cyrus. Uh, King Jehu is another very interesting application. Uh, in, in a Cyrus condition, God raised him up, a King Cyrus, an ungodly, an unsaved man, um, uh, to do some things for Israel that needed to be done. Well, I look in some cases and say, God has raised up a Donald Trump mm-hmm. in some capacity as a Cyrus relative to how he's interacting with Israel the naming of Jerusalem, identifying of Jerusalem as the capital, uh, doing a number of things that are really further crystallizing yeah. uh, the biblical prophetical portions uh, relative to the nations that I think God used Barack Obama to do. Mm-hmm. He, he did, did not do it for God's... Uh, he, didn't, he didn't do it for, because he, was doing, he felt he was doing God's will, but Barack Obama did things that actually turned the world against Israel, mm-hmm. turned the enemies of the nation or the friends of America against us. But he brought in, ultimately, Russia and made an, an alliance with Persia, Iran. Mm-hmm. The Ezekiel 38 and 39 passages. God raises up Donald Trump. He chases off the Jezebel, the Jehu example. I think it's very applicable. And at the same time, though, he pronounces Jerusalem the capital. The world's attention is focused now intently mm-hmm. on Jerusalem and Israel, which we know is exactly in the, the 70th part of anniversary plan. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, here in this country, if you see what the president is doing, I think as believers we need to understand this: the greatness of America, make America great again, is good from a practical human perspective, but. The way we go about do, making America great again is not just because we lower some taxes or we increase our military defense, all of which we need to do, by the mm-hmm. way. But what makes America great is when the believers in America, when America becomes righteous. Tocqueville, of the French historian of years ago, after yes. the revolution, came and looked for the secret of America's success, and he said, it wasn't until I went into the churches of America and heard the pulpit's flame with the preaching of righteousness, did I fully understand the secret of America's greatness. And he said, America is great because America is good, effectively righteous. Mm -hmm. If America ever ceases to be righteous, good, America will cease to be great. Mm -hmm. And there's there's an element here where our president does not lead us into the character and the nature of God or in humility. Mm-hmm. humility to God, which is critically important. God took Nebuchadnezzar to his knees because he was proud. He took other other kings to their knees because they were proud. We have a proud president. There's a balance between wanting to do those things which are right and having a heart that is humble before God. And that that those elements there that I'm trying to describe are what you are describing and what Jonathan, I think, mm-hmm. used as an example of Jehu. We have a very, very interesting example to watch. My greatest concern is that the church in America, the church in America is not doing what the church must 
do in our relationship with God to make America great again. We are acting like the Church of Laodicea in mm-hmm. Revelation chapter think in Revelation chapter three. We think we're rich. We think we are well healed. We're well dressed. We have no need of anybody, which Laodicea said, and God said, you're dead wrong. You're not rich. You're destitute. You're not seeing well. You're blind. You're, not, uh, you're in need far greater than you can imagine. You don't know it. I think that's where the church in America is, and so that's where our greatest attention is. I mean, mm-hmm. I want the president to lead, but he's not leading in the, in the comp- comprehensive nature of what a King David needs to, to lead, as an yeah. example, or, or and, you know, as what, a, as what a king needs to represent in the completeness of what he's doing. He's doing mm-hmm. portions of which God has laid out to do, but those things by themselves will not regain God's blessing on our nation. We must has, be on our knees. Has the president stopped listening, you think, to his spiritual advisors? I mean, Dr. Robert Jeffress, uh, you know, I understand, had had been having uh, weekly sessions and, and went in very strongly and, and challenged the president, um, you know, in front of others and, and in a way that one would think that the president would dismiss him, but instead the president embraced him. And when I heard that story, that gave me a lot of hope. And, uh, and then you have uh, uh, Vice President uh, Pence there. So, you know, what's going on? It, 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 it seemed like at that signing the president did yesterday, he didn't seem like himself. He's, it seemed like he's gotten a whole lot of very, very bad advice. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that, and how can we as watchmen on the wall impact that? Well, I think and we— And this I is our we, last minute. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, well, you know, it, it's good to know that 12 of the 16 members of the cabinet— are in daily or in weekly Bible studies. The president has put around him people on the cabinet and close who do know the Lord. Does he go to them regularly? I don't find evidence that he is, but he has people around him who do know the Lord. We need to pray for all of those around him, and I think we need to look as believers in the mirror and say, where is our heart before the Lord? Get on our knees. If we did that collectively across the country, God would hear the remnant and God would make a difference. Oh, thank you so much, sir. And folks, please check this out, the American Pastors Network, and have your church hook up with the American Pastors Network. Uh, Thank you so much, sir. God bless you.
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's big dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, maybe I need to get accustomed to saying America's big dog program because uh, we have folks all over the country viewing uh, via Facebook and, uh, and again, giving a very, very special shout-out uh, to our friends out in the Phoenix, Arizona area, as well as in the Shenandoah Valley area, uh, where we are looking to expand this program in the very, very uh, near future. Uh, we're so happy that you all are out there. And uh, we have right now uh, another fantastic guest that we want to welcome. Uh, and this is Sally Pipes, who is the president and the CEO of the Pacific Research Institute. And um, it is a think take think think tank based, okay, in uh, San Francisco. And uh, she's a longtime uh, person who has uh, been an expert in healthcare policy. Uh, and she has a, a book out that um, speaks to the fallacies of uh, single payer, the single payer uh, healthcare system. And uh, Ms. Pipes, welcome to the program and thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's a very important issue these days. In fact, um, the most important domestic policy issue in all the polling, i.e., healthcare reform. Yes, yes, and uh, and it, you know, and it's the same uh, debate that was going on uh, twenty five hundred years ago. Um, Plato wanted the uh, government to. Uh, run healthcare. All doctors are supposed to serve the state, okay? And Hippocrates, you know, the fa the father of modern medicine, the founder of the Hippocratic Oath, uh, wanted none of that. He wanted the doctor and the patient to have an individual relationship with one another uh, without the government being the go-between. And it seems the more things change, the more things remain the same. Uh, you know, despots uh, throughout time have sought to control their populations by having the unique ability to control access to health care. Is, is this not the case? Well, absolutely. And you're, and, and you're so right. I mean, that what we want, you know, we want the very best health care for all Americans. We want affordable, accessible, quality care. But that comes through empowering doctors and patients, not the government. Um, so your quotes, um, from the beginning of time were very, very um, uh, yeah. relevant. Yeah, and, and uh, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, he did not say, uh, you know, I want health care because I love my fellow man. He, he said that um, the, the uh, health care was the archway to the keystone of socialism, and the purpose of socialism is communism. So, again, they, they're using this to control people. And, and you know, and tell people when, when, it, when you use the term single payer, okay? People don't really analyze what words mean. I, I'm a wordsmith, so single payer means no one is allowed by law other than the government to pay for health care. So if you go outside of that system, you become a lawbreaker, correct? Yes, that's absolutely right. Single payer or Medicare for all means that there private health care would be banned, private insurance coverage, and the government would be the single payer. And this this is the way it is in Canada, where the Canadian government fully took over the health care system in 1984, and all private health care is banned for any uh, procedure that is considered medically necessary. And actually, a new study from the OECD 
just came out showing that they did a study of nine countries and their healthcare systems. Canada was the only one that totally banned private coverage. Um, and Canada and the UK were the only two countries that actually um, do not allow um, any copay or, or deductible for contributing to your health coverage. So it's um, so if people, uh, the, the latest Kaiser Family Foundation poll came out yesterday showing that 59% of respondents and one-third Republican, of Republicans said that they want our health care system to go to single payer. And mm-hmm. you probably agree with me. I mean, I think Obama, President Obama's goal with um, the Affordable Care Act, which turned eight yesterday, was for the Affordable Care Act to fail, and then we would move to a single-payer system, yes. such as Bernie Sanders has, has he said that. his bill. Yeah, Obama said that, and I, oh, I think it was a spe- I'm not sure. I think that speech may have been given in Canada, actually, but he was speaking to a group of people that wanted they wanted him to go all the way and do straight single payer. And but he told them, well, that's what I want too, but we can't get there in one step. And he said, We're gonna this is a beginning step and it's gonna take us ten to fifteen years to get to single payer, but we will get there. I mean, he says this out of his own mouth. Right. He absolutely did, and he gave a speech also to the American Federal the AFL CIO and, and said the same thing. It'll take us time to get there. But that's mm-hmm. where we want. And, and in the um, debate this past week over the omnibus spending bill, where they did not include the $30 billion over three years for these cost-sharing reduction subsidies to insurers and reinsurance, um, the Democrats had initially been in favor of the government making those payments. But the, uh, the, towards the end of the week, they came out and said, no, we are against the, the CSR and reinsurance payments because Obamacare is failing and our next push during the midterm election and for the 2020 presidential, is single payer. Mm-hmm. Now, tell for people that think this sounds good, because you just, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure there are some listeners that heard you say that Canada and and England had banned copays, and so to the to the person who's struggling to make ends meet, that might sound attractive, but you know, to the hungry mouse. The piece of cheese in the trap looks good. That's why traps work. That's a very good analogy. And yes, so in Canada, um, I worked at the Fraser Institute where we started back in 1988 a study called Waiting Your Turn, a Guide to Healthcare Waiting List. So in 1993, the average wait in Canada from seeing a primary care doctor to getting treatment by a specialist was 9.3 weeks. That's just over two months. Last year, 2017, the average wait from seeing a primary care doctor to getting treatment by a specialist, 21.2 weeks, over five months. The wait to see a neurosurgeon is 33 weeks. To get an MRI is 11 weeks. When government wants to control what they're going to spend on health care mm-hmm. because they are the only provider, you have to ration care and waiting lists will come because the demand is always greater than the supply. And yeah. the same thing in the UK. I mean, it's, you know, they had to... Um, They canceled 55,000 surgeries in January because they didn't have enough beds. They're encouraging, NHS is encouraging people to go to France to have their surgeries. Mm -hmm. They had to cut the targets for the emergency room waiting, uh, the ambulances waiting to get into the hospitals. It is a complete disaster. So people have to realize, just like with the Veterans Administration, is a single-payer system in this country. And people die on the waiting list. And people die. 
yeah. or they can't get access to the best drugs or the surgeries. Mm -hmm. Now, tell people what happens, but let's just pick one of those examples you just gave. Say the MRI waiting list. Tell people what potentially could happen. And how many how many months was the MRI waiting list on average? Five months. Um, well, for an MRI, it's eleven weeks, so it, that's about uh, three months okay. for an MRI. So, say so, you need an MRI and you have a brain tumor, um, and, and 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 it's aggressive. You know, while you're on the waiting list, what could happen uh, to your prognosis when they really need to take care of something immediately? Well, the, the, the issue is, um, you know, it's, it's cheaper to deny care than it is to provide care. Now, 63,000 Canadians cross the border every year and come into the U.S. for things like finding out whether they do have an MRI. Because if you think you have a brain tumor, you know, you're worried every day and you don't want to wait so long that by the time you finally get, you know, that's to get the MRI. Then you have to wait right. to get the, the 33 weeks for the to get the neurosurgeon. And so, you know, I mean, Canada... Oh, so it's a double wait. You, you wait... It's a double wait. You wait to, to get the out. MRI, then they have the MRI, they know you have an issue, and now you're on another waiting list. Yes, exactly. Um, six, you know, 33 weeks. So, um, you know, that it's, it's a double wait. And so, you know, where there are many stories in the Canadian press where, where people are quoted having come to the U.S. and found out that they they do, in fact, have an MRI. They go back to Canada, and then mm -hmm. they find the wait is so long that then they come back and and pay out of pocket, and it's not it's not cheap. And these are not just wealthy Canadians that come across the border. Middle income people come across the border too, because there are and there are an additional nine hundred thousand Canadians out of a population of thirty five million who <clears throat> are on a waiting list just to get a primary care doctor, or what we call a general practitioner. Wow. So, this is yeah. this is why I can't spend so little on healthcare because yeah. they deny care. Yeah, and now isn't it also true that? And I know people out there they don't think that their government can be this wicked, but you know, the our government uh, uh, we're made of human beings like every other government throughout throughout history. We're not angels; we're people, and you have people in authority that when care is denied and a person dies, what happens is not only do you not pay for those procedures, particularly for the elderly, but Social Security payments to that person cease. And if, if it was your own private money, uh, you could put it in your will for your grandchildren to get it. But it's, n it's not your money, even though it was your money because they took it from you. Correct? Right, exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. The other point I wanted to make is in a country like Canada, um, because of the, the, the government running the whole healthcare system, people don't realize that doctors work for the provincial government. Doctors are basically union members working for a provincial government in the same way that K-12 teachers are. So mm. you may be the very best neurosurgeon. I'm the worst, but we get paid the same. As a result, <laughs> a lot of doctors have quit, you know, quit medicine mm. or have left Canada. There's a shortage and that adds to waiting list. And then I think in the U.S., if we get single payer, um, do doctors will retire early. They will, you know, um, the best and the brightest young people that have traditionally gone into medicine will not go into medicine because it's, it's basically, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, you're a government employee and you can't practice the kind of medicine that you yeah. would like to practice. Just like Cuba. <laughs> okay. Fidel exactly. went to, Fidel went to Spain to get health care, And one of the premiers in Canada went to a hospital in Florida. 
Okay. You, exactly. You, you can't make and, this and, stuff up. <laughs> and Michael Moore took pictures of, of Cuba saying this is this is fabulous medicine, but you could see the dirty old hospital in the mm-hmm. background where people have to have their relatives send them aspirin and toilet paper. Wow. So, wow. It's This is something. Now, uh, last thing before I let you go, please tell folks, okay, how can people get a hold of you and what can people do uh, to, um, you know, who do we need to put pressure on to, to, to stop this train? This train has a lot of steam behind it. Right. So uh, my book, The False Promise of Single-Payer Healthcare, is available on Amazon.com. I give all the stories and statistics. And our website, www.pacificresearch.org. And people have to talk to their members of Congress, their state um, um, politicians, and say this this would be a disaster for us because not just Bernie Sanders and Keith Ellison on the House side, but you've got Washington State, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, um, Virginia, my home state, Cal- California, yes. all wanting now single payer. So mm-hmm. people have to get out and talk and town hall meetings so that people can really understand why this is a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. These are not people that have your best interest. These are people that say they have your best interest. So exactly. Yeah. God bless you for all that you do, and uh, you know, and, and and you're a very prolific person. So I know your your next book. Please come back and visit us again. I will. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. Now. Bye. Bye. All right, folks, uh, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we're going to open the phone lines up. And the number here is 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you.
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, hey, we've had a couple of fantastic guests this morning, and uh, we welcome your phone calls, 804-454-1366, And uh, now back to uh, our topics um, that uh, these 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 are um, some things that are really really uh, causing a lot of angst in the nation, and I think probably the number one thing right now is uh, particularly in Trump Nation is uh, Donald Trump going rogue. I mean, what an opportunity to act uh, Reagan esque, and uh, you know, and I put the question out there just like I did to um, our, our first guest today. Um, uh, Mr. Rora, Sam Rora, with the um, American Pastors Network. Uh, where are President Trump's spiritual advisors? You know, it's, um, I mean, you have, why even have all these people? And he, um, and he spelled it out that there are a lot of these people that Trump chose, uh, but there's, no, there's not evidence that he's listening to them. And so, well, that begs the question, why did he choose them? Okay, so has someone uh, sort of turned uh, President Trump or are we are we living in a day where he is being an exact repeat of the uh, the biblical King Jehu, who when he took Jezebel out and and again in the example of the paradigm that Jonathan Kahn writes uh, Queen Jezebel is Hillary Clinton, folks. <laughs> and, uh, now, you, you, there, there might be some folks out there that that like Hillary or just like any Democrat, and maybe they don't like Hillary personally, but just because she's a Democrat, uh, that's their horse, and they're going to stick with their horse. Perhaps you know they might say, "Oh, you're being unfair," but folks, you have to read the book for yourself, okay? And Prior to buying the book, if you don't want to make the investment in the book, I encourage you to go to my website, thereallyrealdeal.com, thereallyrealdeal.com, all right? Uh, type in the search bar, uh, Rabbi Khan, C-A-H-N, and that, that interview will pop up. Listen to the interview, and I'm telling you, before you get through the interview, you will be scrolling down to the picture of the book, and you will be clicking on it to purchase that book from Amazon, Okay, and uh, the um, it's it's such a perfect fit, and I was uh, skeptical at first. I thought my anticipation was that this would just be um, sort of making it fit, but that it did not have to be stretched. It did. There were no assumptions had to be made. I was really, really fascinated with how precise. Uh, all these biblical characters uh, fit with the modern characters, okay? Uh, King Ahab, Bill Clinton, Queen uh, Jezebel, Hillary Clinton, uh, King Joran, Barack Obama. I forget the the the, the firstborn son of um, Jezebel and Ahab, who was, he fit George Bush, okay? Ben Haydad, Osama Bin Laden, okay? Um Jehanadad, the holy man, okay, who represents not only Mike Pence, 
but uh, also uh, the evangelical leaders uh, like Dr. Robert Jeffress and, um, you know, and even my good friend, Brother Carl Gallup's, uh, an evangelical uh, leader, uh, a, a really a, a major leader in his own right, who was on board very, very early uh, with President Trump. Uh, now, me, myself, I came on board later. I was a very early on a Ted Cruz guy. And I was really dumbfounded at all these evangelical leaders that were gravitating to Trump. I, for the life of me, I could not figure that out. Even though I wrote an article a year ahead of time predicting that Trump would win, I was, I was hoping that Ted Cruz could kind of pull it out. But at the time, I was lacking the, the specific biblical knowledge of this particular story of, um, found in the book of Kings where all this is laid out. And so that's why so many pastors were on board because they would have known that, well, I think many of them would have known that. And I think a lot of them just saw that uh, Trump is an alpha male. And, you know, Ted Cruz, uh, God bless him, you know, he has a few alpha male characteristics, but he's a little bit on the young side. He's in his 40s. And Trump is in his 70s. And so, and, and what I've done is I've come to the conclusion that I think perhaps I'm not quite yet old enough, okay? <laughs> I'm not quite yet old enough to see my president be younger than me, okay? <laughs> and, and, um, and uh, you know, and God bless him, I think Ted Cruz will make a great president one day, uh, or he'd make a really, really great uh, Supreme Court justice. I, I, I'd love to see uh, Ted Cruz uh, be the chief justice and. Um, I'd, I'd love to see Chief Justice Roberts. I'd love to see him uh, be impeached. I don't know what the uh, if, if if there is a statute of limitations for impeachment of a uh, member of the Supreme Court, but certainly when the Obama scam health law was passed, uh, with the tacit blessing of um, Chief Justice Roberts, it was really really unconstitutional. Uh, unconstitutional, extra-constitutional. You can call it whatever you like. It was not right, okay? It really was not right. He literally tied himself in a pretzel to say that the legislature intended to do something that they themselves expressly stated that they did not intend to do. And so the whole thing was a lie, foisted upon the American people. and uh, But anyway, we're at the bottom of the hour news break. Uh, we're going to take that break. And again, if you'd like to participate uh, coming up in our final 30 minutes, 804-454-1366 is the number. 804-454-1366. The stone's been rolled away And now his body isn't there We both ran toward the garden and John ran on.
trip on a plane the other day Just wishing that I could get out When the man next to me saw the book in my hand And asked me what it was about So I settled back in my seat A bestseller, I said A history and mystery in one Then I opened up the book and began to read From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live. Our final 30 minutes of today's program. And uh, and again, we'd welcome your calls, 804-454-1366. And uh, as we get ready for uh, Palm Sunday, followed by Easter next week. And uh, a great program so far today. Uh, quite a few more things to get through, however. Uh, the children's march. I was just uh, looking here on my computer with these uh, these live videos, and so it's not, I'm not the only one on live. But uh, and and they're showing these humongous crowds of teenagers uh, all over in in Washington, in in Boston, in Philadelphia, out in California, in various cities. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't uh, you know maybe a few dozen of them uh, here in the capital city of Virginia, uh, but. Uh, again, folks, these are uh, children, literally, okay? Uh, now, there's a reason why the uh, the Constitution says uh, in order to be president, you have to be 35. In order to be a senator, you have to be 30, okay? Uh, um, I mean, and there, there are some folks that uh, are talking about even reducing the age to vote, Okay, uh, and and it's already down to eighteen. I, I mean, what are you going to do? You're gonna you already have made it so uh, parents are responsible for paying a child's insurance until they're twenty six years old, and now they're talking about taking away the right of a, a young person to own a weapon until they're twenty one years old. So you already, there's certain types of guns you already can't buy until you're 21. You can't buy uh, hard liquor until you're uh, 21. Now, I, I don't drink hard liquor, and this is not an argument in favor of hard liquor, okay? I don't, I don't touch the stuff. But the simple fact of the matter is we have to be consistent in, in, in the rights uh, because, again, they, these rights, they come from God. They don't come from uh, our fellow man. And so it seems to me that uh, a young person is they're free to express themselves. A young person should be free to own a weapon to defend themselves. You know, what do you say to the uh, the young woman who, you know, maybe she's uh, an unmarried mother, which is not an uncommon thing. It's not, you know, the ideal situation, but it's it happens a lot. And, uh, you know, maybe she can't afford to live in the safest of neighborhoods, you would deny her the right to own a weapon because she's not 21 years old. And you know goodness well the bad guys with weapons, or even if a bad guy comes in without a weapon, he comes in with a knife or a baseball bat or just, you know, his 225 pounds of muscle, okay? And, and he's going to uh, uh, do something ungodly uh, to this woman who does, cannot match him in muscle and size and strength. But that gun is the equalizer, okay? She can blow that joker away. So it's not, and, and, and this, this, this is just, it's, it's literally common sense, folks. It's literally common sense, that the gun does not commit the crime, the person commits the crime. And it's not that the people pushing this idea 
uh, can't figure that out. And, and, you know, and this is what sort of galls me about the way that um, our so-called leaders uh, articulate responses to these things. They, they style these debates as, oh, the Democrats are dumb and they can't figure it out, okay? I mean, I can't tell you how sick I have gotten um, of hearing all for all these years, oh, Obama's dumb, he doesn't understand. He doesn't, Democrats, they don't understand how the economy works. Democrats, they don't understand that uh, uh, cities that have uh, strict gun laws have a lot of crime. You know, Democrats, they don't understand that, you know, there's there's some cities in America that the law is every adult has to have a gun in the household. And in those places, crime is low. Democrats, oh, they don't understand that. I beg to differ, folks. I think they do understand that. I think they do understand that if you were to have retired police, retired military, to go into education and be teachers or just be on the premises, I think they do understand that that would create a disincentive for people to commit crimes because, after all, these people that go into places and commit these gun crimes, they travel past places that do not have a great big sign out front that says gun-free zone, and they seek out the gun-free zone be it a school, be it a church, be, I mean, even the guy out in Colorado that uh, shot Gabby Giffords um, a few years ago, he went, he drove past several movie theaters and chose the theater that had a sign in the window that declared this theater is a gun-free zone, okay? So please don't tell me that Democrats don't get it, okay? What we are not willing to accept is that there is a level of evil among people that we elect. We're not willing to accept this, folks, and we have to look at it. If I have to say it uh, 50 times, I'm going to say it. We have to look at the fact that these are not angels. These are people, and people are fallible. People are fallen. And some fall lower than others, okay? Some have no conscience. Some will just do whatever it takes to force you to submit. And I maintain that the Democrat Party, the coalition of evil, okay? And this is not just, and it's not you, Ma and Pa Democrat, but this is certainly people that you elect, people that you empower, Okay, to include some of your pulpit pimp preachers. Okay, this is to include them, but this coalition of evil, this includes atheists, communists, socialists, fascists, uh, the, the, the homosexual radicals, the Muslim fundamentalists. Okay, and what do they all have in common? They all have in common the idea that there is going to be an elite group of people at the top, whether it's the mullahs or whether it's the uh, congressman, whether it's the president, whether it's the Supreme Court, uh, whether it's gangs and thugs, but there is going to be an elite group of people. And these elites, or it, it could be the, the, the news media, academia, whatever, and a lot of these people see themselves as a part of that elite. Okay, whether they are 
uh, training the, pe- the the children to be future communists, uh, wh- whether they are in control of the information you get uh, through media, uh, whatever role, whether they're in the FBI, CIA, yeah, a lot of them, okay, let's not just say that uh, all these people are as pure as the wind-driven snow. It's just simply not true, folks. These are people. They put their pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. These are just people, okay? And I just, and I cannot emphasize that enough. We cannot paint uh, groups of people with broad strokes any more than we can do in the negative, okay? You cannot say, uh, as uh, Black Lives Matter say, or as Louis Farrakhan says, all white people are devils. You can't say that, okay? Some act like devils. Some in any society or racial group are going to act devilish, Some are going to act godly. You cannot paint people with broad brushes. And this is axiomatic, folks. So, and we all know this, that that's racism. You know, all black people are X, Y, Z. All white people are this. All Asians are this. All Hispanics are this. You just cannot say that, okay? So, and we know this. So if we can't say it on the negative, similarly, folks, we cannot ascribe group virtue either. We cannot say all school teachers are righteous. We cannot say all soldiers are, are heroic. All soldiers, did Bradley Manning join the military because he loved America? And, and for those of you who don't recognize the name Bradley Manning, this fool has a dress and a wig on right now, and he wants to be called Chelsea, which I refuse to do. I refuse to refer to him as her. I refuse to call him Chelsea. This, this idiot's name is Bradley Manning, okay? He is a male, okay? He's not a man. He's a male. Now, I don't know if he's had his chopadictomy yet or not, uh, but if he has, then he's just a male without all of his um, equipment. But he's still, he's a male, okay? And I, I don't buy into this, this silliness, okay? So we, there's no group. We can't say all soldiers. I mean, I've been a party to, um, or been in the room listening to uh, people in the military um, discuss, oh, you need to join uh, this one uh, because you got less of a chance to get called up or you less of a chance to... I mean, I've, I've literally overheard people have those type of conversations about benefits versus the low chance of um, uh, being harmed, okay? And I'm, that's not a broad brush, but I'm telling you, folks, we cannot ascribe group um, problems to people. We cannot ascribe uh, group uh, virtue to people either, okay? People are people, Okay? And that's not to negate the value of anyone's service uh, to this society as a school teacher, as a preacher, as a member of the military, as a police officer. It is not, okay? But people are people, okay? And you have all these uh, groups that are trying to destroy America, and when it suits them, they will say all the cops are bad. When it suits them, all white people are bad. And when it suits them, all preachers are hypocrites. When it suits them, okay, anyone in any type of authority, and in academia, they're even taught that uh, a a certain group of them, they're taught that their job is to destroy the mental and moral hold that the parent has on the child. 
They are taught to destroy that, to break that down, and to remake that student as a new man, a communist. They're taught this, okay? And so this is the world we live in. We are at war, okay? And it is a spiritual war. And we have to act like we're at war. And we who believe in the seven C's of a successful society, we who believe in God, we who believe, well, here we are in the Easter season. Some of us believe, some of us believe that our big brother Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose three days later. And some of us say, oh, Brother Craig, I'm sorry, that's a fairy tale, okay? There is a war. There is a war. There is a war for your mind. There is a war for your soul. The number one demographic that they go after is our children. And you're seeing it being played out as they parade children. And these children, they are not mature enough to understand the ramifications of what they're saying. They're reacting out of emotion. They're reacting out of emotion. And this is what the... Uh, the, 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 the Baal worshipers, this is a, a, the type of, uh, it's a form of mind control, witchcraft. There's it, it, all kinds of things. And, and don't think um, pointy hats and broomsticks when I say witchcraft, okay? Um, you know, uh, sorcery, pharmacaea, all right, drugs. It's, it's no mistake that almost all of these school shooters have been on drugs, psychotropic drugs, most of their lives. It's no mistake. It's no mistake that this push from the left is to legalize drugs, okay? Remember, and I've said it before, England took China down with opium, okay? This is nothing new. You can read it in your Bible about pharmacaea, and I don't know why these modern translations of the Bible do not render um, the word witchcraft and sorcery as uh, pharmacaea, which is the root word of pharmacy. And it's all a part of what they do. It's all about control. They want to control you. And they want to weaken your capacity to exercise a thing called self-control, okay? And so, and remember, self-government is the best government. And this is not something that the, uh, the leftists, the democrats, this is not something that they are interested in. They're interested in divisive tactics, uh, mental control, uh, moral breakdown, divide you from your family, divide you from your culture, interject using immigration as a weapon. They literally have weaponized immigration because it is the United Nations that determines which refugees come, which is why rather than bring Christians who are being persecuted, they bring Muslims and they put them in places in this country where there's high concentrations of white Christians because they want, they, they want tension. They benefit from tension, okay? And so we really have to uh, be mindful of this, and we have to fight it, and we have to encourage our people in leadership, whether it's pastors, whether it's uh, people like myself who are, who are broadcasters. We have to encourage people in, in leadership that it's okay to speak the truth, 
and that there's if there's some blowback by you speaking the truth, you out there, you have to let people know I have your back, okay? And as a matter of fact, you can let me know you have my back as we go into break. I encourage you, listen to this giving ad because freedom is not free, and it costs money for me to stand by. I'm just going to say it. It costs money for me to stand behind this microphone and speak the truth, okay? And we, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, listen to the ad, please. We greatly appreciate those that have been supporting us. Uh, but if we're going to continue to do this and expand to these other markets, uh, this is going to be an opportunity for you to stand and be, to take your turn to be a watchman on the wall. We're going to take that break now. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. I heard there was a secret chord That David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VACHristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, as we close out today's program. And uh, it's been a great program. And uh, we uh, highly encourage you all to go to our website, thereallyrealdeal.com. Uh, we really could use your uh, support. Uh, freedom isn't free. There is a cost to stand behind this microphone. And, uh, and again, we are attempting to... Um, expand the program into the uh, Shenandoah Valley area as well as, and I'm really excited about this one, 
the Phoenix, Arizona area, which uh, Phoenix, a uh, population of uh, 5 million people in the greater Phoenix area uh, within the... Um, within the sound range of that particular um, radio station out there in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we would like to close out, however, uh, on a positive note. Well, it's, it's sad but positive, okay? Uh, we would like to honor uh, a member of the elite French Special Forces, uh, Colonel Arnaud Beltrame, and... Uh, my, the four years of French I took, uh, man, that's a long, long time ago. I hope I'm not mangling his name, but um, uh, this brave colonel exchanged himself. There was a terrorist event in France yesterday at a supermarket where hostages were taken. Uh, he exchanged himself for a female hostage, and, and uh, in doing so, the female uh, lived, uh, but Colonel Beltrame gave his life. And so uh, we salute Colonel Beltrame. And, uh, and also we'd like to pay tribute uh, to the late Zell Miller, um, a Democrat, okay? But this was, a dem- this was like your grandfather's Democrat, not a modern Democrat, okay? These modern Democrats, I could not find one single elected Democrat in the entire United States of America, uh, that I would think uh, is a is a patriot, a, a a member of the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition, but uh, Zell Miller, um, hey, he, a member of a dying breed. He was ninety years old, and he passed away yesterday. And I remember Zell Miller as he um, endorsed uh, President Bush when he was running for reelection against John Kerry. And uh, he gave a tremendous, tremendous, one of the best speeches I've ever heard. I mean, I thought I was going to jump, not out of my clothes. I thought I was going to jump out of my skin, okay, Uh, when he listed all of the um, um, weapon systems that uh, then-candidate John Kerry had voted against. And uh, and so let's play play the little, uh, we have a little clip here of Zell Miller. It's just... commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces. U.S. Forces armed with what? Spitballs? <laughs> yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, that's a patriot, I mean, and I'm looking at it here. Standing ovation, I mean, the entire, the entire stadium just stood up and applauded Zell Miller. Uh, I mean, and he went on for like, it, it seemed like it was two or three minutes as he detailed all the different uh, types of weapon systems that John Kerry had voted. It's like every weapon John Kerry had voted against uh, funding that weapon. I mean, every last single one of them. And uh, and as he said now, this this joker who's voted against the military for years and years and years as a senator, uh, all of a sudden... Uh, here he is thumping his chest as he's some, like, you know, you would think he was chesty puller. I mean, the guy had, what, three uh, three purple hearts, and he uh, he wrangled those three purple hearts. I think one of them, uh, I saw an interview with a doctor where he, uh, this was on 60 Minutes, where he says he took a pair of tweezers, removed a piece of uh a very, very small piece of shrapnel removed it from his forearm and put a Band-Aid on it. And then John Kerry asked him to fill out Purple Heart papers. And the doctor, 
used some very choice language, which he said he would not repeat on the air, and told him to get the you-know-what out of his office. John Kerry went behind the back of that doctor, got someone else to sign that paperwork, and got a Purple Heart. And in a similar fashion, he got two more Purple Hearts. So he had, I think, one of them, a bag of rice got blown up, and the rice was made into projectiles, and one of those projectiles hit him in the rear end. And this joker went and got a second Purple Heart for that. Now, forget what the third one was for, but it was something like that, okay? And, uh, I mean, I have a friend who was in Vietnam who got shot uh, in a bullet. It was a clean shot through him, and he did not seek Purple Heart. He was telling me about it, and and so I inquired, oh, was you got a Purple Heart? Oh, he said, oh, no, no, that's, you know— Bullet just, it bullet went through me, man. Didn't hit anything. Just went in. It was a clean shot. Went in and went out. No, I don't want, I didn't want a purple heart, man. That's for a guy that lost a leg or an eye, you know? But I mean, so thank God for men like Zell Miller, who did not go with party, but went with principle. And, um, and just, so we just uh, pray that God would bless uh, Zell Miller's memory and that God would bless Zell Miller's family. And with that, folks, uh, I would just uh, I would just send this prayer over the entire audience that God bless you and keep you, God smile on you, and gift you, God look you full in your face and cause you to prosper. And uh, I just send that blessing out to you in the name of our big brother Jesus Christ as we get ready for uh, Passover um, for Palm Sunday tomorrow and and Easter next week. Uh, we're going to see you next week. Uh, we remind you folks uh, to check out our program tomorrow morning, uh, 9 to 11. Uh, it'll be a best of. God bless you. We'll see you next week. His microphone. And he lived. Brother Fred. And he.